0: worship experience here at St. Paul Church. We are delighted and elated to be able to share as far as the last Sunday of 2020. I don't know about anybody else, but God deserves all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Do me a favor, if you would, put your hands together, give God the praise that God so richly and rightfully deserves. 2020 has been a doozy of a year, and yet we have to testify how the Lord has kept us many dangers, toils, and snares. I want you to do me this favor. If you're watching us this morning on Facebook, YouTube, or engaging in our live chat room on our church website, welcome to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers, our social media influencers are ready to engage you this morning. Real quick, we want to invite you to share this experience with others. If you're watching us on Facebook, share on your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party. We want to make sure that we all stay in the same chat stream Tag people that you want to invite within the post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our channel. Then text the link of this worship service to your personal network. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, click the invite button in our chat window to share this experience with others. Particularly if you're watching us on YouTube. I want you to subscribe and I want you to encourage your network to subscribe to our YouTube page. We want to have at least a 1,000 subscribers on our YouTube page before this year is out. Amen. I'm going to ask that uh, Minister Eric Edwards, he's going to come and give us our call to worship, and then our male ensemble is going to sing Jesus, the light of the world.
1: Good morning, church family. The psalm simply says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. I know that we just celebrated Christmas. We all got Christmas gifts, but it's time to focus on God this morning. It's time to give Jesus the praise that he richly and rightfully deserve. That's what I'm talking about. Let's give God the praise, even at home, even in the living room, even in the bedroom. We can still praise our God right where we are. Let's join in with the choir as they sing Jesus, the light of the world. looking through the various chat streams and social media outlets, we notice that we have a lot of visitors, and we would like for you to comment your location, where you're at. Let us know that you're watching with us, what city, what state, and or country that you're watching with us from, so that we all can know uh, that you're with us. Our scripture this morning will come from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3. Through six. And it reads Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we come before you this morning to just say thank you. God, we notice that we're so grateful for all that you do for us, God. We're so grateful on this Sunday morning because we get another chance to praise you, to worship you, to lift up your holy name, God. You've got us through 2020. We're almost there. And yet, God, you have not went anywhere. And for that, God, we say thank you. God, we ask that your spirit reside in us this morning, God. Move throughout each room in our house, God. Move even in this sanctuary as we're gathered in few numbers. And God, anchor Dr. Scott this morning. God, touch him. Allow him to bring a word that God is only from you. Allow him to speak power into us. God, we're longing to hear a word from you this morning. So God, we were waiting with anticipation, waiting, God, for the word that you have allowed Dr. Scott to create. God, we love you thank you. We praise you. It is in your holy, matchless, powerful name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: G
0: Let's give him glory. Let's give him glory. Let's give him glory. And we, of course, have just celebrated the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want to thank our male ensemble for blessing us with a reminder of why Jesus is the reason for the season. Thank you, my brothers, for all that you do as far as the work of ministry here at St. Paul Church is concerned in our music ministry. Well, good morning. It's the last Sunday of the year, the last Sunday of the year, and the Lord has allowed uh, for us to see our way through as far as this crazy pandemic is concerned. And of course, we know that our lives have been touched by the loss of persons that we know who have died because of this pandemic, as well as because of some other ailment or some other tragedy. Later on in our service, after the benediction, well, prior to the benediction, rather, we're going to have the names of our loved ones to scroll that you will be able to reflect upon them. And wherever you may be right now, you can take a candle and light it in their memory, and then at the end, we will extinguish those candles, and then we will close out as far as Our worship service is concerned. I want to thank Sister Karen Archibald for uh, hosting a quick 15 for me this past Wednesday. Look forward to joining you on next Wednesday. And as a reminder, I want to encourage you to start connecting on this call around 8 o'clock. It allows for us to fellowship with one another and then invite someone through uh, connecting them to the call and we can have a wonderful, wonderful time in the Lord. I also want to give a major shout-out to Atrium Health for partnering with us this past Tuesday as we had COVID testing as well as flu shots. And we're looking forward to future collaborations with Atrium as far as uh, those, um, uh, the COVID testing. And hopefully and prayerfully, we will also be able to partner with them as far as administering the COVID vaccine. Just want to let you all know that this Thursday night, it's going to be our watch night service, and we're looking forward to you joining us at 10.30, 10.30. That's what time we will go uh, as far as our different platforms are concerned, 10.30. And then, hopefully and prayerfully, after I finish, we're going to have a Zoom New Year prayer call as soon as I give the benediction where we will be able to pray the New Year in And so we will be sending you that information as far as that time of prayer is concerned. Just want to let you all know that our offices are closed um, uh, from now until Monday, January the 4th at 9 o'clock. However, we will be checking our voicemails and emails for prayer requests, hospital notices, uh, if a loved one has died, as well as bereavement notices. So if you have a loved one that has died, if you're dealing with uh, hospitalization, please, ma'am, please, sir, call the church, leave a message, or send us an email at the appropriate email address, and we will respond to you and uh, help you to work through those particular matters. As we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, and I'm going to ask that uh, Minister... Eric Edwards will get ready to come to take us to the throne of grace. Uh, there are several uh, death notices I want to share with you. As we prepare to uh, close out this year, you know, the folks of old used to say that every year has to get its number. And it seems like that 2020, beside the 300,000 plus that has claimed because of COVID, we know that the death angel still is not finished. We want to lift up the family of sister, disciple, Lily Mae Klingsdale, the mother of Brother Jerry Clingscale, Shakira Clingscales, and the mother-in-law Tanya Clingscales. Her viewing is going to take place on tomorrow, December the 28th at three o'clock PM at the Richmond funeral home here in Charlotte. The graveside services will be on Tuesday, December the 12th. I mean, not December the 12th. It will be on Tuesday, December the 29th at 12 o'clock p.m. at Betis Ford Memorial Gardens. Also, we want to lift up the family of Sister Doretha Walker, the sister of disciple Gwendolyn Caldwell, and sister-in-law Larry Caldwell. Her arrangements are pending the family of Sister Disciple Gloria Rankin, the mother of Sister Stephanie Rankin, and the aunt of Disciple Thumbelina Sings. Her final arrangements are pending for this Wednesday, December the 30th, and that will be here at the church. And of course, attendance will be limited. The family of Brother Edwin Huntley. He is the brother of Disciple Deborah Allen. His final arrangements are pending also, we want to continue to lift up the family of Brother Sharif Jones, Jr., the nephew of the disciple Tanya Porter. And, of course, he was tragically killed. And we hope and pray that justice will be served as they have gotten a person of interest, a suspect, in his murder. We lift up the family of Brother Roy W. Hill, the father of Sister Disciple, Keisha Anderson. We also want to continue to lift up Bridget Truesdale. We want to continue to lift up Dr. Monica Redman, Reverend Grace Ridgeway. Of course, my predecessor, Dr. Paul Drummond and his wife. We also want to lift up uh, Sister Frances Dalton, who is the mother of uh, Deborah Dalton. She had triple bypass surgery on This past Christmas Eve, we want to flank her with our prayers. We don't have to send God anywhere. He's already there. However, we do know that God hears the prayers of the righteous. And I'm going to ask that at this time, uh, Minister Eric Edward would take us to the throne of grace.
1: God, we come before you right now to just say thank you. Thank you, God, for just being Lord over our lives. Thank you, God, for being the God of our salvation. Thank you, God, for sending the best gift that we could have ever got Jesus to this world to save us from all that we do and all that we go through. And this morning, this morning right now, God, we just worship and praise you because we know that this has been a tough year. We know that we've experienced so many things that, God, we probably thought we would never experience. But, God, we still have a reason to be thankful because you're still on the throne. That we don't worship the God of Donald Trump or the God of the Republican Party, but we worship the true and living God. We worship you this morning. And, God, we come to you with heavy hearts as there's so many prayer concerns. God, we have so many sicknesses and illnesses and diseases going around and so many losses, so many deaths, so many killings. God, we just bring it to you right now because only you can make it right. God, only you can bring us the healing that we need. Only you can bring us the restoration that we need. And God, we want to pray for our disciples who's experiencing loss of loved ones right now. We want to pray for everybody I want to pray for those who's sleeping right now in tents. God, nobody should have to go through that in wintertime. That's, that's unbearable, God. We just ask that you wrap your loving arms around them, that you comfort them, God, and let them know that you are with them. God, we just say thank you right now. Thank you for getting us through, God. You know our own personal concerns you know our own personal struggles trials and tribulations and God we bring them to you right now because we know that you can handle it God we love you and we ask for forgiveness of all our sins God we're sorry for missing the mark we're sorry for doing so much wrong we're sorry God for making you mad for hurting you for doing what's contrary to your will God, all that we can not just help us to be better. Help us to serve you better, to live our lives better, and to live in the way that mm-hmm. Jesus demands us to live. It is in his name that we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen, amen. Do me a favor. If you believe that God is answering that prayer, would you just put your hands together and give God the praise for an answered prayer? Amen. 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 Thank you, Minister uh, Edwards, for that prayer. And as we prepare right now to move forward as far as our worship experience is concerned, this is a wonderful time for you and I to partner with God as far as the work of the kingdom is concerned. You and I are most like God, not when we love, but when we give. Not when we love, but when we give. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. That God moved from an emotive act to an actionable item. He gave. You and I have the wonderful opportunity right now to partner with our God through our giving. St. Paul, I want to commend you that this year, as far as this calendar year is concerned, you have been wonderful as far as your generosity is concerned, particularly to our food pantry, to our Thanksgiving giveaway, uh, to the different various ministries we have supported by you bringing food and clothing. And, of course, as far as our Toys for Tots campaign was concerned, you all were absolutely incredible. And I want to thank you for that because you didn't have to do it but you did, and God is going to honor your faithfulness as far as your generosity is concerned. As we prepare to give, uh, this is the last Sunday of the year. Of course, we will take up a special offering on watch night as well, Um, but you have an opportunity to partner with our God. And as you do that, there are three ways you can give here at St. Paul. The first one is by uh, mailing a check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Um, every now and then, somebody might be in and out of the office. However, understand that we are out of the office during this time. So we will appreciate it if you will mail your offering to the church. Also, we want to let you know that you can give through our website. Follow the giving prompts there. Or you can give through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that app on your smart device, device, download it. Connect to your favorite credit card and give through the app called Givelify. Now, here's the deal. If you have lost your job, you've been furloughed, you've been laid off, you don't have any significant income that is coming in um, you've basically you're drawing unemployment or you're not getting anything I'm not expecting you to give if you give out of your poverty out of your lack God has a special blessing for you a blessing that's like the widow's might however at this time the strong can bear the infirmities of the weak those of us who still have a job who are still working who have income coming in we can be a blessing to those who do not and can I tell you what God has done for us because of our generosity to help those who cannot help themselves and who cannot return the favor God has been opening up some crazy doors for us here at Saint Paul God has sent blessings to us as far as toys are concerned God has sent blessings to us as far as the food pantry is concerned. that's all based upon your generosity good measure pressed down shake and gather running over shall be added unto you so i want you to do me this favor if you would take your uh devices or your offering if you would place it in your right hand we want to give god what's right not what's left and let's go to the lord in prayer god we come and we thank you right now for this wonderful opportunity to partner with you through our giving god if you would as we give this offering on the last sunday of this year Take our offering, multiply it in a god way so that your will, your witness, and your word can go forth and you get the glory, honor, and praise. God, bless those who are practicing the discipline of giving tithes and offerings. God, we pray you will continue to stretch those who may not be practicing that discipline but giving something. And then, God, we pray that you will continue to, um, uh, how can I say, mess with those who feel like they don't have anything to give, or they don't have to give anything when they do have, so that they can become compliant to your word. Take these gifts of ours, O oh God, and bless them as only you can. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. As you give, uh, our Mel Ensemble is going to bless us with the symphonic selection, and we solicit your prayers. let's give God some praise it ain't nothing it ain't nothing more beautiful when you see men worshiping God in spirit and in truth and how these brothers have lifted our souls and have set our souls on fire thank you, thank you brothers Um, I don't know about anybody else but that's my that's my solid rock that's my that's my solid rock none other than than Jesus. Wow, 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 wow. God is great and He is greatly to be praised. Whew. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, brothers. Thank you. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, thank you, brothers. Thank you, brothers. Thank you brothers. Thank you, brothers. Thank you. We got some singing brothers here at St. Paul Church. Y'all have blessed. Bless my heart. On this uh, last Sunday of the year. I want to, uh, for the time that is mine, um, I think last Sunday I talked about how I wanted to pitch us uh, toward uh, another series of sermons and, um, um, and start in verse 11, uh, chapter 11 of Romans. And with that, uh, I've done a series of sermons on Romans 9, Romans 10, and today we're going to start a series of sermons on Romans chapter 11, uh, Romans chapter 11. And what I want to do is to call your attention um, to that particular chapter and let's sense what the Lord is going to do as far as this time is concerned. Romans chapter 11, and it reads like this from the New King James Version of the Word of God. I say then, has not God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed to the knee of Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it's no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, then it's no longer grace, otherwise work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not attained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, And the rest were blind, just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their backs always. I want to, if I could, I want to lift this particular passage up and read for you from the message translation, which is where I'm going to get my text this morning. And it reads like this. Does this mean then that God is so fed up with Israel that he have nothing more to do with them? Hardly. Remember that I, the one writing these things, I'm an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham out of the tribe of Benjamin. You can't get more Jewish than that. So we're not talking about repudiation. God has been too long involved with Israel, has too much invested to simply wash his hands of them. Do you remember the time Elijah agonizing over the same Israel and cried out in prayer, God, they have murdered your prophets, they have trashed your altars, and I'm the only one left, and now they're after me? Do you remember God's answer? I still have 7,000 who have not quit, 7,000 who are loyal to the finish. It's the same today. There's a fierce, loyal minority still, not many, perhaps, but probably more than you think. They're holding on, not because of what they think they're going to get out of it, but because they are convinced of God's grace If they were only thinking of their own immediate self-interest, they would have left a long time ago, where they're convinced of God's grace and the purpose in choosing them. I want to title this message this morning, Chosen by Grace. Chosen by Grace. Amen. I want to build this as my argument this morning, that with all the mess we're going through, with all the craziness we find ourselves dealing with, and God knows all the wrongs we have done, I am absolutely intrigued at why would God want to have anything to do with us? When you think about all the stuff we have done that has caused God frustration and disappointment, I am absolutely amazed that many of us are still standing with a reasonable portion of our health, strength, and our right mind. I'm baffled by the extent to which God has gone to demonstrate forgiveness to a people who do not deserve it, mercy to people who did not earn it love to people who do not care for it and providence to a people who are not worthy of it. When we hear it in our testimonies and we share it in our greetings, how the Lord has been good to us, how the Lord has blessed us beyond measure, we make the claim that nobody is better to us than God. And while this remains true, one of the caveats I must mention is that none of us deserve the goodness that God has brought to our lives? Whatever blessings, whatever breakthroughs, whatever benefits that you and I have experienced, it is simply because of God's grace that is based upon God's faithfulness to God's word. A true statement I can make is this without hesitation or mental reservation. Is that when God enters into a relationship with any human being, it is not for God's benefit, but for our benefit. In other words, you and I bring nothing to the table that makes God any better. You and I lack the capacity and capability to bring anything to God that's going to improve God's sovereignty, that's going to enhance God's omnipotence, that's going to strengthen God's omniscience, that's going to improve God's righteousness. There is nothing we can do for God which poses a problem for those who tend to think we are more than what we actually are. This is why the person of Jesus Christ creates a problem for some of us. We find ourselves thinking more highly of ourselves than we should. Danish theologian uh, Soren Kierkegaard Uh, In his book, The Sickness Unto Death Contends, people are offended by the idea how God became flesh as a real, particular, limited human being. We are offended because we think we know what God is like. God is holy. God is infinite. God is sovereign. God is omnipotent. We have a problem believing that God could become a person who struggles with temptation, a man who was born as a baby child, a man who dies on a cross like a common criminal, a little baby that was squirming in the manger. It's hard for us to think of God having to be taught the Hebrew alphabet or having Joseph to teach him how to latch his sandals. We have a hard time thinking that God can become limited like us. But Kierkegaard thinks the notion of God becoming human presses a deeper nerve than our understanding of God. Since we want to think that we are more righteous than we really are, we might think we are offended by what the incarnation of Jesus really says about God. What offends us is what the incarnation says about us as human beings. In other words... If God had to become like us and enter a particular limited existence, this means that we are indeed truly known and that we are unconditionally accepted by God. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. It is easier then for us to be offended by grace rather than to receive God's grace. In other words, it's easier for us to believe that Jesus never failed a math test than it is for us to believe that God embraced all of us regardless of where we have been. This is the scandal of the gospel we preach about, teach about, talk about, sing about, and write about. God embraces and accepts us with all of our scars and scandals. Mess and misery, greed and grime, sin and shame, public horrors and private hells, troubles and trials, defects and deficits, mess ups and mistakes. In other words, God reaches out to the unreachable. God loves the unlovable. God forgives the unforgivable. God blesses the undeserving. And God puts up with us despite our sins and shortcomings. And God does this by grace. Grace. G-R-A-C-E, grace. This five-leather word seems to be lacking in our society today. Grace, this five-letter word which can hardly be found even among the saints of God today. Grace, uh, this five-letter word which we have difficult expressing to one another even as we engage in virtual worship. Grace, that five-letter word to which poetry is ascribed, to which prose is penned, to which praise is is rendered, to which songs are scored, and to which books have been written. Grace, that that five letter word is talked about among church folks, scrutinized among the scholars, and misappropriated among those who are clueless about God. Too many of us who claim to be saved and sanctified have messed up this idea, this concept of grace to the point that we think we can do whatever we want to, when we want to, how we want to. Why? Because God is going to show us grace. In other words, we want cheap grace. However, when you begin to understand that God has made a relationship with God possible, and you and I don't deserve it, then and only then do you understand what grace is all about. And here's what I want you to understand. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. You can't go to school and get enough degrees to obtain it. You you, you can't have enough money in your 401k to purchase it. Uh, And God knows you can't get it by default. Just because your mama or your daddy or big mama or big or papa had grace doesn't mean you're gonna get grace because it ain't transferable through human bloodlines. You must understand that when you and I, with our sinful, pitiful, pathetic, shortcoming selves, when you and I with our defects and our defaults, our mess, and our mishaps, when you and I, with all the grime and the gory that we bring as far as our humanity is concerned, that we are able to have a relationship with the God of the cosmos, with the Christ of creation with the Holy Spirit, the divine infinite spirit of God, when the Trinity stooped down to hang out with misfits like you and me, it are to make us sing just like the male chorus just got through blessing us, we are to sing and shout for joy. This notion of grace is absolutely mind-blowing. It's unreal. It is the posture that God took in order to hang out with folks like you and me. My brothers and sisters, this is what the gospel is all about. Look at how God decided to deal with folks like us. Everything we have done, everything we are doing, everything we will do has been covered by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on a hill called Calvary. It doesn't make any sense to us as we exit out of 2020, but I want you to know this is because the world we live in has conditioned us to think nothing is truly free. The knowledge deep within us helps us to understand that we are spiritually and morally corrupt. And that has caused us not to embrace the grace of God so easily. We have been trained to understand that people get what they deserve. But can I bless about six of y'all? I'll make seven. Grace Is when you get something you know you don't deserve. I I, I really wish I had a church full because somebody would have taken off running around the church on on that one. So so those of us who look at a relationship with God as a contract that guarantees us a spot in heaven, you missed the boat. In, In other words, too many of us look at a relationship with God like this. God... If I do something for you, then you're obligated to do something for me. And and, and if you don't do something for me, then, God, you violate the terms of the contracts and you make the contract null and void. And and then, God, I, I can come to you. And I can even file a complaint against you because you ain't doing what you said you were going to do because I've already done what I said I was going to do. It doesn't work like that. Because how many of you all know that if it was the reverse, then many of us would have been cut off a long time ago because if we had entered into a contract with God, the moment we messed up, I'm getting ready again, bless 15 of y'all, I'll make 16. The moment we messed up. God should have cut us off a long time ago, but he looked beyond our fault and he sees our needs. Y'all, that's grace. Can I, can I, can I just explain it to you like this? Uh, it, it's like this. I want you to know that when you really understand this thing called grace, it helps you to understand that God ain't obligated to do nothing for us. Uh, uh, God does not have to do anything for us. As a matter of fact, if God continues to bless us, God has already done more than we deserve. But I'm glad that God does not operate by contract. I'm glad That God operates by a covenant of grace. And because God operates by grace, that means, watch this, that God then gives me things and moments and situations that I don't deserve. In other words, God demonstrates favor in my life, even at times when I don't deserve the favor that God grants me mercy even when I deserve judgment and that God gives me stuff that I did not earn and I don't qualify for. That's what grace is all about. Now, I want to say something because you know how us as human beings operate because some of us think that, well, since God is such a gracious and a loving God, then I can do what I want to do when I want to do it, and how I want to do it. That's how some of us justify our struggle with sin. That's how some of us justify crazy indiscretions. After all, you say, well, the Lord is a gracious God and he's gonna justify me by faith and and that's how I'm gonna live my life and I want you to know that ain't how God operates because Paul says shall we sin that the grace of God be abound no you must understand that when you view your salvation as a life exchange whereby a once profane existence is now traded for a holy substitute then And only then the thought of your righteousness is really asinine and crazy. In other words, you ain't good enough to be in relationship with God. But even though you ain't good enough, God says, I love you enough that I want to be with you regardless of how raggedy and ratchet you have been. That's what grace is all about. This is what Paul was trying to get his Jewish brothers and sisters to understand and appreciate and appropriate to their living about having a relationship with God authentically. God's grace is more than sufficient to keep and empower them to press toward the mark. Paul points out that not all Jews have rejected God's message of salvation. He reminds them how the prophet Elijah, who thought he was all by himself, as he was fighting Jezebel, Ahab, and their prophets. And if you remember that story, Elijah becomes depressed. He protests to God that he's the only one left proclaiming the word of God, that he's the only one left fighting for the integrity of God, that he's the only one left standing up against the wickedness of Jezebel. And God had to send Elijah word and tell him to shut up sit down. You ain't the only one that has not bowed down to Baal. I got 7,000 prophets that you don't even know about that has not taken one knee down to the God of Baal. This is a word for somebody trying to do the right thing. And it seems like in your circles of influence, you're the only one think you're doing the right thing. It may feel like you're the only one that takes God seriously while others live a life of reckless abandonment. You may think you're the only one serious about worship. You're the only one serious about praise. You're the only one serious about discipleship. You're the only one serious about teaching. You're the only one serious about witnessing. You're the only one serious about serving. You're the only one serious about ministry. But you need to understand, uh, you ain't the only one. That God's got some folks in other places. As a matter of fact, God got some folks you don't even know about that's close to you that's been holding on to God's unchanging hand. The good news is uh, that for those of us who are trying to be all that God wants us to be, we are not going through what we're going through by ourselves. Uh, and here's the shout. For us on this Sunday morning, that God still got somebody they ain't afraid to praise his name. God's got somebody they ain't afraid to lift up holy hands. God's got somebody they ain't afraid to give him glory. God's got somebody they ain't afraid to say, I love you, Lord. God's got somebody they ain't afraid to say, Thank you, Jesus. God has somebody they ain't afraid to live for Jesus. There is always gonna be somebody holding up the blood stained banner. You ain't the only one. They're standing up for the Lord. But Paul is confronting his Jewish brothers and sisters when it comes to this man named Jesus. Paul informs them that don't you know when you reject Jesus, uh, you're rejecting God. But even though you reject Jesus, God ain't forsaking you. But God remains faithful to Israel to redeem them despite themselves, even when they reject Jesus, because they don't realize that in rejecting Jesus, they're rejecting God. Aren't you glad that's how God works with us? God is a God who keeps God's word. And just as God had preserved a remnant of God's people, when an entire nation had turned to idolatry, God is restoring a remnant of Through God and only because of God's sovereign choice by his grace. This is proof how God has not left God's people. This is good news because no matter how grim and how hopeless our situation might be, the mere fact that God is sovereign means that there's a remnant that is chosen by grace. Let me, if I could, make it real for us today. The only reason that you and I are saved by the blood of the Lamb, the only reason that we're able to lift up holy hands to God and give God praise and bless His holy name and worship God in spirit and in truth is because of grace. If you are saved, if you have confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, then you are part of the remnant. I'm going somewhere with this. And if you're part of the remnant, that means you've been chosen by grace. As a matter of fact, the only reason you're saved is because you are chosen and you've been chosen to be saved. Don't get it mixed up. There is nothing you bring to the table for God to look at you and say, oh yes, you're a good one. Oh yes, you have everything it takes to be in relationship with me. Oh yes, you've dotted every I and you've crossed every T. Oh yes, you've got everything together and you can hang out with me. Unfortunately, it's the other way around. You bring nothing to the table. Remember, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Even the best of us have to admit that our righteousness are like filthy rags in the sight of God you're chosen though not because of your education not because of your money not because of your occupation not because of your social status not because of how much you come to virtual church not by who you're married to not by what you are what you wear You are chosen because of God's grace. And that, beloved, is enough to shout about and throw your shoe at your computer screen right now. If it was based upon the worldly standards, I know I would have been left out a long time ago. But I'm glad he chose me by grace. Salvation ain't based upon my works, but it's based upon God's grace. And therefore, the Jews who believed in Jesus are not denying their Jewish faith or heritage. They discover what God had intended for them that Jesus is the Messiah and God has chosen them by grace. Why are you and I chosen by grace? I want to submit a couple things to you and then I'll be done. First, we are chosen by grace so God can show us redemption not rejection. Let me say it again. We are chosen by grace so God can show us redemption, not rejection. The purpose of salvation is so that we will know how much God really loves us. God is so enamored with us, even though we don't offer God anything of substance and merit. God knew we could not come to God on our own. So God sends Jesus to redeem us. We needed to be saved because we've been under the management by the forces of this world that dictate who we are and what we can and cannot do. Therefore, because we were limited by the scopes and the powers and principalities of this world, that tell us you can only go so high, you can only do so much, you can only have so much, but the redemption that God is offering is a viable and vibrant relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is sinless. Jesus Christ is totally righteous. Jesus Christ is the epitome of holiness. And Jesus becomes an example for us. And Christ demonstrates just how out of kilter we are in accomplishing God's purpose in and of ourselves. Everything that you and I have done gives God grounds to reject us. But instead, God used his Christ, who is God in the flesh, to redeem us. In other words, God saves a a fallen humanity by becoming one of us. Uh, Therefore, God does not do the rejecting. We do the rejecting. We do the rejecting when we say no to the grace of God. But what shouts me is that even though some of us continue to reject God, God continues to pursue us. God continues to reach out to hands that will reject God, to hearts that will deny God, to people who will betray God because God loves us too much not to fight for us. What God does in the act of redemption is not rejection, but God is doing a reclamation project for creation. Let me dig deeper. This means redemption is not just personal salvation to get into heaven. This means redemption is not just you getting a get-out-of-hell-free card. I'm getting ready to bless. Again, 22 of y'all, I'm going to make 23. We are being redeemed to be free from the oppressive structures and systems that keeps us in bondage. In other words, we are being redeemed from the craziness of the occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue who has really put no time in since he lost the election by a landslide in being president that is now trying to jack up the opportunity for folks. He's making the claim he wants y'all to have $200, but you got to watch the left hand because the right hand for him is doing some crooked and underhanded stuff. You got to keep your eye on this man. God is trying to free us from being impacted from the systems of racism and sexism and classism that denounces and distresses us if you ain't the right color or you're not the right gender or you didn't come from the right side of the track. God is trying to free us from an educational system that's more concerned about test scores and proficiencies rather than discovering new ways of technology to teach our kids to find out how our children learn. God is trying to free us from a justice system that is more concerned about propping up the prison industrial complex where inmates become the new slaves for the 21st century and therefore when God redeems us it is the universal correction for healing us and casting down the strongholds that try to keep us hostage that's what Paul meant when he said that at the name of Jesus Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you all, this is why I have to give God praise because my redemption was not paid for in dollar bills. My redemption was not paid for with a BA or a master's or a doctoral degree or a specialist degree. My my redemption was not paid for me being part of the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. or the Libertarian Party or the Constitutional Party or the Tea Party or the Libertarian Party. No, my redemption has been paid for by the shedding of the blood of Jesus on a hill called Calvary. That's why we sing that song, I am redeemed, brought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. And anybody ask you just who I am, tell them I am redeemed redeem. As a matter of fact, the psalmist says it best. Uh, Let the redeem of the Lord say so. Uh, I need to do a church check right now. If you know that the Lord has redeemed you, uh, you ought to say so. If you know the Lord has saved you, You ought to say so. If you know the Lord has picked you up and turned you around, planted your feet on solid ground, you ought to say so. If you know you are on your way to a burning hell on a Learjet with some gasoline pajamas on and the Lord snatched you out of the pit of hell, you ought to say so. If you know the Lord has done some stuff for you that you could not do for yourself, you ought to say so. Who am I talking to right now that ain't afraid? to admit had it not been for the Lord on my side I would have been gone a long time ago but he looked beyond my fault and he sees my needs Uh, let me me press on let me press on let me press on Uh, we are chosen by grace to operate in our true identity and not out of trifling ignorance God gives grace so we can function with a sense of who we really are. You and I were originally created to be daughters and sons of God. But now we are operating from an identity that is based upon skin color, degrees, money, what you wear where you live, what you drive, who you hang out with. There are those of us who, when you ask us our name, we tell you what we do. We don't even say our name. But when we come in contact with the grace of God, when we know we've been chosen, there's a change in how we view ourselves. Preach Robert Charles Scott. The unfortunate reality is too many of us really don't know who we are. The devil, the enemy, has messed up our identity as he masquerades as being a friend. The reason we don't know who we are is that we don't know whose we are. (laughs) But when you understand to whom you belong, it brings clarity to your identity. And too many people are operating out of ignorance that is trifling rather than out of identity that is based upon truth. Nevertheless, Jesus gives us an example of how we are to operate out of his true identity. Can I go real deep with y'all for a moment? I want to go real deep with y'all this morning by talking about quantum physics. Quantum physics, yeah. Quantum physics. I'm I'm trying to show y'all that I at least got a couple degrees behind my name. What is quantum physics, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Quantum physics is how physics explains how everything works and how we have the nature of particles that make up our matter and the forces in which how they interact. So quantum physics is how atoms work, is how chemistry works, It's how biology works as they do, and it describes the interconnection between chemistry, atomic particles, and biology, and it shows the interconnection between all three areas. Here I go. Your identity ain't defined by the physical expression of your flesh or your body. You are a spirit. Therefore... It may seem like you enact your daily life within a limited setting of home, school, work, community, and even the church. And the reason that some of us have issues, even as we deal with this pandemic, is because we can't move the way we want to move. We can't go where we want to go. We can't do what we want to do. And so we feel like we're limited. But when you know that you are part of a space-time continuum, and did you not know that in the world of quantum physics, we are all interconnected? This interconnection is a mystery that we will never understand because the universe is not what we think it is. <laughs> in other words, we've been told we live in a 3D life. Light like height depth, and width. But when you know who you are, you understand that your existence is 4D. Height, depth, width, and eternity. (laughs) So you can't even understand the universe. And if you can't fully understand the universe, then how can you be set free from the realities hidden from our view? By the culture, gender, sexuality, politics, and race wars. uh, If we're going to operate in our true identity, Peter Hill, you ought to say so. If you know the Lord has done some stuff for you that you could not do for yourself, you ought to say so. Who am I talking to right now that ain't afraid to admit? Had it not been for the Lord on my side, I would have been gone a long time ago, but he looked beyond my fault. And he sees my needs. Let me press on, let me press on, let me press on. Uh, we are chosen by grace to operate in our true identity and not out of trifling ignorance. <laughs> God gives grace so we can function with a sense of who we really are. You and I were originally created to be daughters and sons of God. But now we are operating from an identity that is based upon skin color, degrees, money, what you wear, where you live, what you drive, who you hang out with. There are those of us who, when you ask us our name, We tell you what we do. We don't even say our name. But when we come in contact with the grace of God, when we know we've been chosen, there's a change in how we view ourselves. Preach Robert Charles Scott. The unfortunate reality is too many of us really don't know who we are. The devil, the enemy, has messed up our identity as he masquerades as being a friend. The reason we don't know who we are is that we don't know whose we are. (laughs) But when you understand to whom you belong, it brings clarity to your identity. And too many people are operating out of ignorance that is trifling, rather than out of identity that is based upon truth. Nevertheless, Jesus gives us an example of how we are to operate out of his true identity. Can I go real deep with y'all for a moment? I want to go real deep with y'all this morning by talking about quantum physics. Quantum physics? Yeah, quantum physics. I'm I'm trying to show y'all that I at least got a couple degrees behind my name. What is quantum physics, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Quantum physics is how physics explains how everything works. And that how we have the nature of particles that make up our matter and the forces in which how they interact. So quantum physics is how atoms work, is how chemistry works, is how biology works as they do. And it describes the interconnection between chemistry, atomic particles, and biology. And it shows the interconnection between all three areas. Here I go. Your identity ain't defined by the physical expression of your flesh or your body. You are a spirit. Therefore, it may seem like you enact your daily life within a limited setting of home school work community and even the church and the reason that some of us have issues even as we deal with this pandemic is because we can't move the way we want to move we can't go where we want to go we can't do what we want to do and so we feel like we're limited but when you know that you are part of a space continuum. And did you not know that in the world of quantum physics, we are all interconnected? This interconnection is a mystery that we will never understand because the universe is not what we think it is. (laughs) In other words, we've been told we live in a 3D life. Light, height, depth, and width. But when you know who you are, you understand that your existence is 4D. Height, depth, with an eternity (laughs) so you can't even understand the universe and if you can't fully understand the universe then how can you be set free from the realities hidden from our view by the culture gender sexuality politics and race wars this uh, if we're going to operate in our true identity then this is what you must understand Your race does not define you. Your gender does not define you. Your sexuality does not define you. Your education does not define you. Your socioeconomic status does not define you. Your class does not define you. You're defined by something more significant. It's your spirit that defines you let me go even deeper. Because in this day and time, too many of us are being shaped by the culture through advertisement and media bombardment and social media. And therefore, we've allowed for social media to define our identity. If you don't get enough likes on Facebook, if you don't get enough retweets on Twitter, if you don't get enough hearts on Instagram, you think there's something wrong with you. Ain't nothing wrong with you. You can't let that stuff define you. We've allowed for the media to define our identity. Uh, The negative media at that. You know calling our black women welfare moms, calling our brothers always in jail. Talk about liberals who want health care. Republicans who don't care. Gangster rappers who degrade our women. Women who don't respect themselves. You define yourself by your sexuality. Gay, straight, transgender, bisexual. You describe yourself based upon your socioeconomic status, rich, poor, or underdeveloped. You describe yourself based upon your race, black, white, Asian, indigenous, or Latinx. And because of the culture, we have become consumers even when it comes to spirituality. That's why a whole lot of folks shop around for a church that fits them, and the call to their discipleship becomes a time where we compete against other churches. But when you know who you are, when you know whose you are, then you understand that stuff don't even matter. The problem is too many of us have been operating in ignorance, using the culture to define us. Like money and education, to whom we married, to whom we date, who we sleep with, what we wear, what we drive. We let that stuff define us. That's why some of us talk more about our cars than we do about our Christ. That's why some of us talk more about our money than we do about our Messiah. That's why some of us talk more about our education than we do about Elohim. That's why some of us talk more about our homes than we do the Holy Ghost. That's why some of us talk more about our stuff than we do about our Savior. Because we really don't know who we are. But when you know that you are a child of God... When you know that you're sons and daughters of the Most High. When you understand that you're not only an heir of Christ, but you are a joint heir with Jesus. Which means that everything that Jesus is entitled to, you're entitled to it also. You get to the place that there's just some stuff you ain't going to take because you ain't got to take it no more. Call me out of my name, it doesn't matter. Uh, It ain't going to make me want to slap the taste out of your mouth because I know who I am. If you call me the N-word, you will not hear me answer because I know I ain't the N-word. If somebody's sister call you the B-word, keep on walking because you know you ain't the B-word. Whatever terms that folks want to call you, if you keep your head up and you keep moving toward what God will have for you to do, you wind up making the folks mad that's calling you out of your name. Why? Because you know who you are. And when you know who you are, you don't need a man to define you. You don't need a woman to define you. If a person drops you, uh, then you know who you are. You're going to be okay. Uh, You don't need degrees to distinguish you. You don't need an education to elevate you. You don't need to have a baby to make you feel special. You don't need to shop at high-end stores to qualify you. You are child of the king. You are sons and daughters of the most high. And because you are a child of the king you got a unique garment it's called a garment of praise and it allows for you to sing that song my father is rich in houses and land he holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands of silver and diamonds of rubies and gold his coffers are full he has riches untold I'm a child of the king I'm a child of El Shaddai I'm a child of Elohim. I'm a child of Yahweh. I'm a child of Jehovah Shalom. I'm a child of Jehovah Jireh. I'm a child of Jehovah Rapha. I'm a child of Jehovah Rohi. I'm a child of Jehovah Sekinu. I'm a child of Jehovah Elohim. I'm a child of God. One more thing. One more thing. Because my time is up. One more thing I need to drop on you, and I hope this blesses you. Finally, we are chosen by grace to encounter the heart of God and to avoid a hardened spirit. We are chosen to encounter the heart of God and avoid a hardened spirit. The heart of God.